If you've been with us for a while, we've been studying through the book of Proverbs, looking at various themes covered throughout this book of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs is a book that provides ancient wisdom for our everyday life. And even though it was written uh, nearly 3,000 years ago, uh, the book is still highly relevant, very applicable to our lives even today. Proverbs provides for us principles of wisdom to help us navigate all of the complex areas of life, especially where the moral rules don't apply. Uh, sometimes things are, are simple and straightforward, black and white issues where we know what the right and wrong decisions are. Uh, but many of life's decisions are not that simple. Many of them, whether big or small, are, are unclear. They're complex. They're difficult to know uh, what the right thing to do. And in some choices, in some cases, it's not even a choice between a right and a wrong. There's uh, various options that may all be morally acceptable, and yet one may be wise and the other less wise. And so the book of Proverbs is especially helpful to all of us in navigating the complexities of our everyday life. Uh, today and next week, we're going to be looking specifically at how Proverbs teaches us to think. Uh, I said at the very beginning of our study, you may remember this, that the book of Proverbs is less concerned with telling us what the wise choice is in every circumstance of life, and is more concerned with helping us become the kinds of people who make wise decisions. And so Proverbs wants to teach us how to think, how to think as a wise person. The book of Proverbs wants to shape our thinking, our priorities, and our perspective on the world around us. And so over the next two weeks in particular, we're going to focus instead of on a, a particular area like uh, wealth or, or anger or whatever. We're going to talk more about just broadly speaking, how does Proverbs teach us how to think wisely? And so today we'll look at seven principles of wise thinking from the book of Proverbs, beginning with Proverbs 8, I'm sorry, Proverbs 28, uh, verse number 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Uh, this is a really great proverb for our whole study of the book. You will never be wise on your own. Wisdom is inherited. Ideally, parents begin that process of passing on wisdom to their children. Uh, older adults pass wisdom on that they've acquired to younger adults. And of course, you can gain wisdom through reading, through studying books, uh, in particular a book like Proverbs. But wisdom doesn't come from within you, it is received from outside sources. And so whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, meaning that the person who thinks that you are the source of wisdom, that you, you yourself has wisdom within you, your own intellect uh, can guide you through life. Someone who trusts in his own wisdom rather than inheriting the ancient wisdom offered to him from those who have lived life before him is a fool. All of us ought to be seeking to have our thinking altered by our study of the book of Proverbs, especially over these next few months as we're working through this. Again, I recommend to each of you, especially during this time period, try to read a chapter of Proverbs a day. It'll take you like two minutes, but it will be invaluable over time in shaping the way that you think. Over time, as you absorb the wisdom that the book of Proverbs offers to you, you'll begin to be shaped by it and you'll find the path of wisdom. But you and I will never walk in wisdom by trusting in our own intellect. Uh, ultimately, the one whose wisdom we should be trusting in is the Lord's. As Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
and do not lean on your own understanding. So don't rely or lean upon your own wisdom. Rather, learn to trust the wisdom that God has revealed in his word. And so all of us are to do this, notice, with all of our heart. Okay, so don't just hear God's wisdom and consider it as though it's just sort of one option, one factor. No, bet your life on it. Don't let God's word on a subject merely be a consideration in your thinking. Rather, we are to trust ourselves wholly. We are to rely upon the wisdom of God. In fact, we're supposed to trust God's wisdom more than our own wisdom. And so when God says something, here's a real practical application of that. When God says something that doesn't make sense to you, we have a choice to make. Are we going to trust in our own wisdom or are we going to trust in God's? When God says something in Scripture and I read it and think, boy, I don't know about that. That doesn't match up with my experience. That doesn't seem right to me. Proverbs 3, 5 says, I'm supposed to trust in what God has said, even if it means rejecting my own thoughts. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't rely on your own wisdom because your wisdom and my wisdom is unreliable. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So let God direct you in all of your ways, in every area of life. Seek after the wisdom of God and then lean on that. When you read what God has said about some area of your life, the wise person, again, doesn't just consider that. He allows what God has said to direct his steps. A foolish person trusts his own intellect more than his creator's. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So don't be impressed with your own wisdom. If I fear the Lord, which we've said is caring most what God thinks, if I fear the Lord and if I turn away from evil, I am depending on the Lord and on his wisdom rather than on the wisdom of my own mind. I'm submitting my life to the direction of God's word as the ultimate source of wisdom. And the path of utter foolishness is following your own wisdom. So you know that popular phrase in today's culture. Unfortunately, it's repeated in some Christian circles as well. Maybe you've heard it. Follow your heart. That is very bad advice. Proverbs says the exact opposite. Don't follow your heart. Our hearts are depraved. Folly is bound up in our hearts. And thus we need our hearts, our minds to be redirected by the wisdom of God revealed in Scripture. As we said at the beginning of our study, God is the ultimate source of wisdom. He created human existence, and thus he knows best how we can live our life in a way that would lead to flourishing. He created us. He created our world. He knows how it operates. And so the beginning of wisdom, in a sense, is admitting your own lack and seeking out sources of wisdom to teach you. So the first lesson of Proverbs with regard to how we are to think as wise people is, ironically, to learn to distrust your own wisdom. God can guide you through life better than you can figure things out on your own. And we all probably agree with that in principle, but then when we get to specific areas of life where Scripture contradicts uh, the decisions that we're making, we may actually find that we're trusting in our own thinking and rejecting the wisdom of God. So number one, learn to distrust your own wisdom. Number two, learn to wait to form conclusions until you have all of the facts. Again, this is a principle for how to think. Uh, How should we evaluate things? 
Learn to wait to form conclusions until you have all the facts. Proverbs 18, verse 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Our impressions of people or situations are not always immediately accurate. Now, again, we all know that that's true. And yet many of us still are very quick to form opinions on very little information. We haven't learned to consider the other side, other facts that may further inform and add context to what we know. Uh, Here's my own attempt at a proverb. I've been saying this for uh, a long time. Catherine says it's one of the wisest things I've said, so here you go. Uh, There's two sides to every story, and the truth is usually somewhere in between. I've learned that over time. When someone is telling you about a situation, especially an interpersonal issue between two people, uh, you are getting their perspective, and it's usually not exactly lined up with reality. Uh, And so this is very true, especially when we're talking about something like divorce or breakups, right? You hear uh, two people get a divorce, and here's something you'll pretty much never hear them say. You know, she was just a great wife to me. Uh, She was just the best. He was the model husband. It was really my fault. I screwed up. I ruined our marriage. You will pretty much never hear that said. Instead, if you're talking to the man, you'll hear, that woman is a psycho. And if you're talking to the woman, that guy is an absolute jerk. Uh, They were the devil incarnate. It's always 100% their fault. And the reality is probably both parties are exaggerating the negatives of the other person and minimizing their own faults. And so the truth is somewhere in the middle. When you hear someone recounting a situation or telling you something about someone else, understand as they are speaking to you that they are looking at this from a particular vantage point. Uh, They're often inserting their bias and even inadvertently distorting facts. And so Proverbs says, resist the urge to form an opinion when you're only hearing one side of the story, when you're only hearing some of the facts. Something may seem right until you learn more information. Uh, My wife and I recently were watching a a movie about the founding of McDonald's. There were these two brothers who started McDonald's, and then there was this guy who sort of took it and franchised it across America. And the movie made the one guy who franchised it just look like an absolute jerk. Uh, he was he was terrible to work with. He basically cheated them out of their business. He was dishonest. He was just the worst. And the two brothers, on the other hand, were honest and hardworking. They were great guys. And they were just terribly mistreated. And all throughout the movie, I kept wondering, I wonder what the other guy would have to say. I wonder what facts we're not hearing. Uh, Certainly, I have no doubt some of the movie was presented uh, accurately. I'm not saying they made up everything, but I suspect that if we listened to the bad guy in the film and heard his story, we might find that there's some context missing, because that's pretty much always the way it works. Be very skeptical when you're hearing only one side of the story. This is true outside of just uh, relationships or business dealings. Think, Think of an area like politics. Uh, Most Americans today only listen to one side of the political aisle, only what they already agree with. If you're a Republican, you only listen to people to the right of Tucker Carlson. If you're a Democrat, you only listen to CNN. And so all you hear is your own perspective, which often leads to a very distorted view. You're only being told things from a particular slanted perspective. 
Proverbs is calling us to be slow in forming opinions, especially when you're only hearing uh, certain facts from one side. Be willing to hear more information and change your views as more information is presented to you. Next, Proverbs teaches us to deliberate when making decisions. Uh, Two Proverbs on this. Proverbs 19 verse 2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So this is speaking of enthusiasm without knowledge. Okay, when you're in too much of a hurry, you're wanting to do something quickly, and you're not deliberating. You're not taking the time to really think through this choice. Hasty decision-making leads to mistakes. Again, Proverbs 21, verse 22 says, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. So here, Proverbs, again, this this happens all throughout the book of Proverbs where military illustrations are used to sort of uh, explain certain principles. Proverbs tells us here that wisdom is often more powerful than physical strength, even in war. Uh, A brilliant military strategy will defeat mighty warriors. And so the principle is, learn to work smart, not just hard. Learn to analyze, to figure out the best ways of accomplishing a task. Even seemingly impossible goals can be achieved often through deliberation. Again, you see there, the wise man scales the city of the mighty. He brings down the stronghold in which they trust. In other words, this enemy army thinks that they're totally secure. They've got a stronghold. They've got a a fortress protecting them. They have mighty warriors. And this verse says, a wise person can defeat all of that. He can come up with a way, a a clever strategy of getting through those obstacles. One really cool example of this exact kind of thing is in 2 Samuel 5. I'm going to show you this because I think uh, it's a great example of the principle being uh, expressed here in Proverbs 21. In fact, I've wondered if maybe... As Solomon is writing Proverbs 21, if he was thinking of his father's actions here in 2 Samuel 5. Uh, here's the setting, verse 6. says, The king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking David cannot come in here. So King David is trying to conquer the enemy Jebusites. They're living in a portion of Jerusalem that will eventually be called the city of David. The Jebusites here are taunting David and his armies. Uh, They have this fortified city with walls and strongholds all around. And if you go go there today, you'll see the topography. They're on the high ground. Uh, There's just no chance of David getting in there and attacking them. But then verse 7 says, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And then we get just this little hint in verse 8 as to how he did this. David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. Therefore, it is said, the lame and the, uh, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So you see there that David's tactic was to sneak in through the water shaft of the city of David, uh, what was then called just the city of the Jebusites. So David and his men snuck in past the strongholds through the water shaft, and they attacked the Jebusites. Now, in 1867, these tunnels were discovered. Uh, This is what it looks like today. And you can go there today. Historians believe that these tunnels uh, that go all the way through the city of David are what's being referred to here as the water shaft. And so David and his army 
uh, no doubt single file, snuck through uh, these tunnels and eventually got their way through. I had the opportunity when I was in Jerusalem to walk through these very tunnels. It is quite the experience. It is very dark, uh, very wet. You're knee deep in water, sort of wading your way through. And at times the tunnel gets very narrow, uh, but you can make it through. If you're not too claustrophobic, uh, you can go to Israel and do this today. It takes about uh, 35 minutes or so to get from one end of the tunnel uh, to the other. And so this is an example of what Proverbs 21 is talking about. David never would have conquered the city by force. The walls were too high. The topography of the area made it impossible for him to break down the wall or scale it. But by using some wisdom, King David found a clever way in. All of the strength and abilities that you have will be wasted if they are not directed by wisdom. And some careful deliberation before making a decision can often lead to a far better choice in the end. And so if you're faced with an obstacle, a decision, something that you feel like is just impossible, learn to deliberate, uh, to think through the best approach to achieve the result that you desire. Next, Proverbs teaches us to learn to analyze and control our emotions. Proverbs 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Learn to recognize when and why you're being emotional and how that might be clouding your judgment. A person who hasn't learned to control their emotions will be without focus without the ability to properly evaluate a situation and act wisely. Uh, We're going to talk in a few weeks more specifically about certain areas of this, like with anger in particular. Uh, But this is more of a general statement that all of us at all times should be in control of our thinking. We should learn to control our emotions. That starts by being aware of your emotions. Learn to recognize early in the process when you're starting to feel that anger or that jealousy or that offense or whatever emotion it is. Recognize that early. Then analyze the feeling and decide if it's warranted or if it's just your emotions are starting to take control of you. And then respond accordingly. Here's another proverb along these lines. Proverbs 29 verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So a foolish person just lets his emotions uh, guide him through life. His emotions have full vent Whatever he feels, that dictates his words and actions. A foolish person considers all of his emotions to be legitimate and warranted. Uh, By the way, newsflash, they aren't. Uh, Sometimes our emotions are just wild, they're all over the map, and they're really not uh, legitimate. The feelings that we have are unreasonable at times. And so a wise person recognizes that sometimes our emotions are out of proportion, fluctuating, and at times even absurd. Therefore, a wise person thinks about his emotions and often exercises restraint. Next, Proverbs teaches us not to be naive. Learn to test things that you're being told. Proverbs 26, 23, many examples we could look at. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. So this glaze would be referring to like a silver coating that would be put over a clay pot. So the pot looks silver but it's really just a piece of junk with a very thin, uh, you know, veneer over top of it that makes makes it look more valuable than it is. So like a glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. 
When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. And so Proverbs 26 is telling us, don't naively believe people. Don't be easily persuaded and misguided. Now, that doesn't mean you can never trust anyone. You should always treat people with suspicion all of the time. There are many factors to consider in this. But don't be gullible. People lie. People are insincere. And Proverbs calls us to discern when people are deceiving us versus when people are speaking sincerely. That's not always easy. There are some very good liars out there. But be aware of that fact. Be aware of the fact that smooth talkers often have evil hearts, as Proverbs 23 says. And so whether you're talking to a salesperson or whoever, someone trying to convince you of something, consider what ulterior motives they may have in speaking to you, how they stand to benefit from what they are trying to convince you of. And don't naively believe everything that you're told. One more proverb on this, Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So don't be gullible. Uh, Don't believe everything you hear. Weigh claims and require more evidence before being convinced of outsized claims. Meaning if somebody comes and tells you some story that's really bizarre and far-fetched, you should be slow in accepting that. You should demand uh, more evidence for outsized claims. Next, Proverbs teaches us to learn to think through entire processes, including factoring in things that may go wrong. Okay, So uh, a foolish person thinks about the next step, just what's right in front of him, not thinking about the consequences of that beyond just what he sees. A foolish person doesn't consider, well, what happens if if this goes wrong? How is that going to affect my goal? So here's, here's a real practical example of this. A foolish person, for example would plan to be at work exactly on time, right? He knows it takes me 35 minutes to get to work, and so he leaves exactly 35 minutes early, and then he gets hit by a red light, or around here he gets stuck behind a train or whatever, and suddenly he's late to work almost every day. That's because he's not thinking through the whole process and what could go wrong along the way. He's thinking simply. Proverbs encourages us to think more deeply, to think through things and and factor in things that may go wrong. So here's Proverbs 27, uh, verses 23 and following. This is a passage we're going to look at next week in more detail, but let's just read this now and I'll make a few comments. Uh, Verse 23, Now know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for, your, for the food of your household, and maintenance for your girls. So, uh, Proverbs tells us, think through entire processes. Now, this is, of course, to an agricultural uh, sort of culture here in Proverbs, so he's speaking to farmers. And Proverbs says to these farmers, know well the condition of your flocks. Uh, think about what season it is when the grass will be gone, whether you have enough food stored up for your animals and for your family. Think through all of these things ahead of time. So in modern-day America, this would be telling us to consider the totality of our life and be prepared for any obstacles that may come up. Think through things that could go wrong and prepare accordingly. 
I think this would include things like having proper insurance, uh, thinking about retirements before you get there, considering what things in your home or car are likely to break down, uh, what might go wrong. Plan for those things before they happen. Preventative maintenance. That's the kind of thinking Proverbs 27 is urging us to have. Think through the various areas of your life and what you can do to best set yourself up for the future. Uh, Don't be the kind of person who's caught off guard by everything that's going wrong in life, and so his life is just sort of in chaos all the time. Always having to react to things instead of planning properly. Again, we're going to talk more about that next week because Proverbs has a lot to say uh, on the subject of foresight, and that's going to be our main uh, theme next time. One last proverb for today. Here's what Proverbs says in terms of this teaching us how to think. Proverbs 20, verse 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Don't try to figure everything out. You're not God. There are some things in life that you will never understand, maybe including this proverb. Uh, This proverb tells us that our choices are from the Lord. The decisions that you and I make are directed by God. Now, how does that work? Uh, I sure feel like I make my own choices. Are you saying that I'm just a puppet in God's hand, that I don't really have free will? Wouldn't that mean that I'm not really responsible for my actions, but then God does hold us responsible for the things that we do? If God was choosing everything I do, wouldn't everything I do be good? So either God is not truly making all of my choices for me, or God is not good, right? Uh, See, this is all very confusing because we aren't God. Some things are out of our reach. We'll never understand them. And rather than trying to figure everything out, Proverbs teaches us to accept the reality that our human minds are finite, that there are aspects of this life that only God knows and understands. And therefore, we end where we we began. Uh, We should trust in the Lord with all of our heart instead of leaning on our own understanding. In every area of life, we should seek to follow the wisdom of our God. So then to recap, here are seven ways that Proverbs teaches us to think wisely. Number one, learn to distrust your own wisdom. That's the beginning point. You cannot be wise. You cannot learn to think as a wise person if you already think you have everything figured out. You have to start with an attitude of humility. Learn to distrust your own wisdom. Number two, Learn to wait to form conclusions until you have all the facts. Number three, learn to deliberate when making decisions. Number four, learn to analyze and control your emotions. Number five, learn to test things instead of being gullible. Number six, learn to think through entire processes, including what may go wrong. And then number seven, learn that in the end, You cannot figure everything out. And so that ought to drive us to turn to the ultimate source of wisdom, the ultimate source of all insight, the God who created us and speaks to us through his word. God wants us to learn to be smart. Uh, Jesus said we're supposed to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Uh, Proverbs is written in part to teach us how to think as wise people in this world. And these seven principles are a great start for us to learn to think wisely and avoid a lot of foolish decisions. Uh, Next week, again, we're going to look more more specifically at some things that Proverbs has to say about how we are to think, in particular, thinking ahead, planning, having foresight. 
uh, planning for the future. And so we'll pick up there next week. Let's pray together.